Luke chapter number two this morning, Luke chapter number two, and we're going to look at the latter half of this chapter this morning, Luke chapter number two, and I do trust that you've had a good day yesterday, we're already in church today, uh, we've had a wonderful time, and I enjoyed hearing the choir, that was more like an ensemble this morning, but they still did a, a good job, and uh, the as a pastor, the day after Christmas in your mind is a challenging day to know what to bring because you know the challenge that you have. And uh, full day yesterday, especially if you have small children, your day started very, very early unless you lock them in their bedroom, uh, which that might not be a bad strategy to look, forward, look to in the future. Uh, but I trust that you've had a great day, great time, and we look forward to what the Lord has for us. It's different in our house. Of course, we're glad to have uh, our daughter and son-in-law back, uh, back home where they should be and have them back uh, for the Christmas holiday. And it's different when you have adult children, as some of you know, and older teenagers. I wanted to clarify that unless Addie comes to me and says, I'm an adult child now. No, you're not. Uh, but uh, you don't have things that you have to put together, which is nice. And Christmas doesn't start near as early. Uh, because they like their sleep. So I took advantage of that yesterday uh, in the earlier part of the day, and I spent some time with the Lord. The Lord gave me this message that I'm going to preach this morning, and I believe it will be a help to us. Luke chapter number 2, beginning with verse number 25 of Luke chapter number 2. Of course, we recognize the reference of Luke chapter number 2. That is from where we find the Christmas story, the announcement of the arrival of the Christ child. And aren't you thankful that Jesus came he came not to just be born in a manger uh, so that he could be worshipped as that coming king, but he came so that he could be nailed to a cross and pay the sin debt of all mankind. I'm thankful uh, for our Savior. Luke chapter number 2, verse 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. This passage of Scripture we'll take our text from and our message from this morning is an often overlooked passage of Scripture, an often overlooked character, but some very important truths that we're going to look at this morning. So I want us to look this day on this text, and I want to preach on this subject, a confirmation of Christ's coming, a confirmation of of Christ's coming. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray that you would use your word this morning, uh, your word uh, to speak to our hearts. Father, I pray that if there's a lost one in the service today, may they realize their need of salvation. May they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his finished work on Calvary. 
May they realize that salvation is by grace. May they realize that salvation is available to any man if they would just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for the child of God who is uh, in the service today, maybe listening by live stream or radio this morning. May uh, we be reminded of some wonderful truths. May they compel us to be more faithful in the days to come. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We know in Luke chapter number 2, Christ has been born. As, as Christ was born, we know that the angels sang and glorified God. We also know, we're reminded that the shepherds had uh, gone and seen the Christ child, and now they returned, and they were glorifying God, and they were testifying of that which they had seen. Uh, beyond that, now we know the arrival of the Christ child, and now God's redemptive plan is put into place. No longer is it something that was prophesied would come. Christ had come, and now he would begin the journey to fulfill his purpose for coming. Uh, it is a fulfillment of prophecy. Uh, God's plan of redemption, Christ, the Son of God, was born. He would live a sinless life. He would live a perfect life. He was obviously born of a virgin, as we know. And he would live that life as the Son of God with the ultimate goal of paying our sin debt. And aren't you thankful that Christ was faithful to the cross? Aren't you thankful that Christ was willing to give his life? Man did not take his life from him. Christ willingly gave his life so you and I might have salvation. We come to our passage of Scripture, and uh, there are, we were reminded that there are many signs and many th confirmations that would be given, uh, not just when Christ was born here. We <coughs> know that the sky is open. There's angels saying, that's a pretty good sign and confirmation that Christ had been born. Throughout Christ's life, there would be signs that would be given that would confirm that <coughs> this is the prophesied Son of God. Prophecies had been fulfilled. <coughs> I think of when John the Baptist baptized Jesus and that dove appeared and the voice from heaven and God declared that this was his beloved son whom he is well pleased. Many confirmations that this was, is the son of God. My mind takes me to Calvary and as Jesus is on the cross of Calvary, if you think back to our series on standing near the cross, you recall that there was a centurion who declared, surely this was the son of God. Many confirmations that Jesus has come, and this is the Christ child. But as I already mentioned, there is an overlooked <clears throat> character here. There's an often overlooked little story that we take place immediately after Christ is born. And we look at the passage of Scripture today, and I think there's going to be many things that we're going to be reminded of and encouraged by today as we look at this story that we read of. We see, first of all, number one, we find a, a servant's dedication. I want you to look at verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. So much has already happened in Luke 2 that is important to us. It's the focus. Christmas season comes upon us. We read the Christmas story. Usually, we read verses 1 through 14. <clears throat> Sometimes, we'll read the next couple of verses. And because it's so significant, that is the focus. But let's be reminded that while all of that was taking place, there is a man by the name of Simeon. 
<coughs> there was a servant who was very dedicated. The Bible tells us that he was in Jerusalem, and the Bible tells us a little bit about him, that the same man was just and devout. What a wonderful testimony. What a wonderful commendation of this man. It's even more significant because this was not a poll that was taken. This was not uh, the, 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 the approval of man. God himself has preserved in Scripture so that on this day, these 2,000 years later, we would read about the man named Simeon, and God said he was just and devout. He was a believer. He believed in all, every prophecy that had ever been prophesied by one of God's prophets. He believed as he read the scriptures that the Son of God would come, the Messiah would come. He believed. He was a believed that there was one who would come who would bear the sins of the world, who would save mankind. The scripture says he was devout. Now may this be a challenge to you and I this morning because there's a lot of believers in our world. But I'm afraid that if it describes the average Christian, it would be the name who resides at a certain place, and he was a just man, but the word devout would be left off. A devout man who not just believed, but everything about him pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of that prophecy. He was not the kind of man that you had to beg to follow God, that you had to convince was necessary to follow God. He was devout. He would be a fanatic in our day. He'd be one who just didn't make sense to this world, but the scripture says, God says, he was a just man and he was devout. You know what we need in our world today? We need devout Christians. We need those who don't, don't sway with the pressures of this world and what is popular and what is politically correct is, is what we'll follow, but someone who is devout to the word of God. Someone who is devout to the Son of God, devout to what God has said. No man, no doubt this man believed every word uh, that had been prophesied of these Old Testament prophets that you and I can read of still today. And if we would look at the Word of God with the same mindset, the Bible says that he was just and devout. But the Bible also says, waiting for the consolation of Israel. This is significant. He was... A just man, he believed that God would fulfill his promise to send one, as Isaiah prophesied about, who would, like a sheep being led to the slaughter. Jesus, the one who would bear the sins of men. He was devout. It's not just something that he would say once in a while. It was something that determined his actions, his thoughts, the way he lived. The Bible speaks also of him and says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. It was somebody he believed on, Christ. It was something that he was dedicated to, but it was something that he was waiting on. Now, make no mistake, he was not just waiting, just sitting around with his feet propped up and said, well, when December 25th gets here, then we're going to know. Uh, that, that's what you and I do when we wait on Christmas. He was waiting means he was longing for. He was watching for. He was consumed with the fact that Jesus, the Christ, is coming. God is going to fulfill his promise. He was someone who his day was determined by whether or not today was going to be the day when prophecies would be fulfilled. I can't help but think as I Think of this, and he knew that God had promised 
Uh, he had a very significant promise on his life. He, the scripture tells us, and it was revealed to him, verse 26, uh, by the, uh, him by the Holy Ghost, that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. I, I, don't under, I don't know why that God chose to do this, but I do know that scripture tells us that the Holy Ghost had made a promise to Simeon and said, in your lifetime, you were going to see the Christ child. He held on to that promise. He believed it. Thus was waiting on the consolation, as the scripture says, of Israel. Now, what does that mean? He knew that the hope of Israel was in the Christ that would come. He knew that the only one who would solve the problems would heal the hurts. The only one who was worthy of having hope was in Jesus. Might I draw a parallel to what this book promises you and I? That there is one coming again. It's the same Jesus. But this time, he is not coming to be born in a manger. He is coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And might we be waiting on the consolation of this world. And no, no political figure is going to solve the world's problems. No political pro, uh, party is going to, to, to take care of our needs. They're just, both parties are just going to continue to make it worse and worse and worse. There is a Savior of the world, but it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And what you and I should be hoping for, should be waiting for, is what this book tells us is going to take place. The day is going to come that Jesus is going to come back. Now, the Holy Ghost has not come to me and said that, and, and had a conversation with me and said that before you die, you're going to see Christ's return. Now, I know that that can happen because the Bible tells me it could happen. But may we all wait for His appearing. May we all watch for His appearing. Uh, that determines whether or not we're devout. Because a devout child of God says, By Jesus could come today. My Savior could come today. My Lord, that trumpet could sound today. There is this servant's dedication. He, if we would be so dedicated to his second coming, as Simeon was dedicated to the first time he came, and so we find the dedication of a servant. Then we see, number two, we see the spirits leading. In verse number 25 and 26, we already know that the Holy Ghost was upon him. The Holy Ghost had revealed certain things to him. And we come to verse 27. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. Now, don't miss this. The Spirit of God had promised Simeon something. That before he died, he would see the Christ child. He would see Christ. He would see, he would witness the fulfillment of the prophecies that he had heard. And friend, might I just interject here? We are living in a day when we are seeing prophecies fulfilled that we have heard. We are living in that time, and this was a time when the Spirit of God had promised him something. The Bible tells us in verse 27 that he went to the temple. It was not a predetermined time for him to go, but there was just a big coincidence that led him there. He just happened to be at the right place at the right time when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus into the temple. Now, that's not what the Scripture tells us. And what it ought to remind us, and there's not, a, there's not coincidences in our life either. The Spirit of God brought him to the temple. He don't know why he went. He just felt like the Spirit take him to the temple. When he got there, God had arranged for him to see 
what God had promised him he would see. And might I make that application to your life and my life? You are not here today in this service by accident. You're not here today because of just an obligation to family. God may have used an obligation to family to get you here. But make no mistake about it, God works in our life. And sometimes we get discouraged because this book promises us things that we haven't seen come to pass. This book promises things that we don't know when they're going to come. And we look at things that take place in our life and we say, well, that's a tragedy, that's a heartache. And certainly by the world's definition, we could define that. But that might be the very thing the Holy Ghost of God uses to get us in the right place at the right time. Sometimes we don't understand why God is doing things in our life, but we must always be willing to follow the leading of the Spirit of God. May I remind all of us as Christians, your emotions take a back seat to what the, what the Bible says. Our understanding should not take precedence over the leading of the Spirit of God. And if there's any other subject that needs to be preached on more and more in our day, it is the leading of the Spirit, the filling of the Spirit of God, and we have fallen prey to our emotions and our logic and fallen in lockstep many times with the philosophies of this world. When we ought to be willing to say, if the Spirit of God is leading me, that's the way I need to go. Let me help us today. We have what Simeon did not have. We have the completed Word of God. And no Christian can honestly say that the Spirit leads me contrary to what this book says. Because if that is true, either you are a liar or God is a liar. We must be sensitive to the Spirit of God. Sometimes we don't understand. Sometimes we don't agree. But God does things so that we can see a fulfillment there's many things that have taken place in our country over the last couple of years I don't like. Many things that we have seen really take place before our eyes that we know are wrong, that we know have been done in an underhanded way. We, we see that, in, and I don't like it. You say, I don't understand. what. Well, you know, for Jesus to come back, there's some things that have to take place. We say we want Jesus to come back, and we must also be aware that certain things have to take place, but we see the Spirit's leading. Christian, how is the Spirit's leading in your life? Do you have the Spirit's leading in your life? Let me be very practical and help us this morning. Say, Pastor, what does that mean? How does that... It's obeying this book. The Spirit of God is the author of this book. Once we receive Christ, it's the Spirit of God who dwells within us. And as we read the Word of God, as we hear the Word of God preached, it's the Spirit of God that says, yes, this is what you should do. Yes, this is... But the Bible also tells us that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can quench the Holy Spirit. If I'm, a, I'm afraid if Simeon was leaving, living like a lot of Christians live today, he would have died not seeing the promise of God, not because God did not keep His word, but when God was leading him by the Spirit, he refused to follow the Spirit. I'm afraid this is true in the life of a lot of Christians. I don't want it to be true in mine, I don't want it to be true in yours. But God makes us promises, and then we hold our hands up to God and say, God, why didn't you do this? And if God were to speak back to us, He would say, I sent my Spirit. But you had stopped listening to Him a long time ago. 
I'd sent my spirit, but you ignored what he has said to you in, in, in my word. But friend, let the life of Simeon remind us of how important it is for the spirit of God to lead us. And wherever the spirit of God leads you, it is, a, it is the place that you want to be. I see number three. We consider a confirmation of Christ's coming. This is very encouraging to me. As we see number three, a stunning revelation. I want you to follow with me in verse number 28, bearing in mind what we already know. We know there's a man named Simeon who is just devout. He was waiting. I know he's coming. I know the fulfillment of this prophecy. And by the way, let me back up. You know why he, 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 he lived that way? Because he actually believed that what the prophets had said were the voice of God. And quite frankly, this morning, you know, and, and, and don't get upset because you've got a preacher that I'd speak you the truth. We all want the news to give us the truth, but somehow when it comes to a man of God, we don't want that. But, you know, we, we quite frankly, he was waiting on the Christ to come. Because he believed the prophets were the voice of God. The reason why many Christians aren't waiting for Jesus to come again because do we really believe this book is the voice of God? I've said it often, I'm not a conservative, I'm a Christian. I, what's going to happen? I don't get that from a political commentator, I get it from the Word of God. So we, we understand what God is saying, and he said to, there's a man named Simeon who was just and devout, he had the spirits leading in his life, he, on a quote-unquote chance, happens to go to the temple. Guess who's there? A man by the name of Joseph is there. A woman by the name of Mary is there. And look at verse 27 again. He came with the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law... Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, now, 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 picture this with me. Spirit leads him up to the temple, and then Joseph comes in, Mary comes in, and, their, and the child comes in. He takes the child in his arms, Jesus. And we're going to read in just a moment what his response was, but I want you to picture this. Here's the fulfillment of what God has promised him. And it's no wonder, as we look in verse number 28, then took he up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace according to that word. He says, I can die now. You fulfilled your word to me. The reason for my existence has been fulfilled. I knew. See, he cared about his nation, he cared about his people, he cared about his God enough. God, you've got to send your son. That's the consolation of Israel. That's the only thing that's going to bring us out of bondage. The only thing that's going to restore us is, is your son, is the Messiah, is the one that you prophesied that would take upon him the sins of the world. And now that he has seen that promise, he says, God, you can take me. Lord, now let us thou, thy servant, depart in peace <coughs> according to thy word. Verse 30, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Now, notice this. This is the stunning revelation that I want us to see. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. God sent Jesus 
The prophecies of the Messiah was to the Jew. But as Jesus was born, the scripture tells us it was also for the Gentile. Confirming the fact that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. It is so sad to me that when considering the, the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, and we know the relationship that God commands us to have with His people, and we certainly should. But how sad it is for a people to whom God fulfilled His word and sent the, His Son for them to reject Him. I recently heard a political commentator who very much is a devout Jew by the law today, recently mocking Jesus Christ. And he made this statement. He said, if you know anything about the Ju our, our religion, Judaism, we're not looking for anybody to join us. We make it as hard as possible. That, no wonder they reject Jesus Christ. Jesus came to this world to make it as easy as possible to just believe on Him, to believe what He has done. But a stunning revelation is he is a, He's not just there for the people of Israel, but a light to lighten the Gentiles. Now notice verse 33, And Joseph and his mother marveled. This is what it says, And Joseph and his mother, Joseph was not the father. Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And by the way, I wouldn't have a quote-unquote Bible that clouded the lines on that either. Things which were spoken of him. Here there's, he's saying, now I can see him. God's promised me I would see him as a confirmation of the Christ. And he's going to be a light to the Gentiles, the Savior of the world. Now, friend, this ought to speak to you and I and remind us of what we have in our salvation. I'm a Gentile. And from what I can see about most of you, I, as far as I know, we're Gentiles. Meaning that when God's people, uh, he came to God's people, and of course God's people rejected him, and there were many that believed on his name, but Jesus came to die for the whole world. Well, that's something that we can talk about too with others. Jesus came to die for everyone. Well, Joseph and Mary marveled at what was being heard in this revelation, he came to die, don't believe the lie that Jesus would only save some. Now, you must have faith in Christ to be saved. You must believe on Him to be saved. No church can save you. No man can save you. If you would give testimony this morning that, that you're saved and you know that your eternity is in heaven, then you know that no man can save you. You know that no church can save you. Being a Catholic cannot save you. Being a Baptist cannot save you. The Pope cannot forgive you of your sins. This, this preacher cannot forgive you of your sins. Only through Christ can one be saved. That's why it's important because the light to lighten the Gentiles. The Gentiles were the pagan people. The Gentiles were not God's chosen people. The Gentiles did not have the law. They were saved. Did you think of the Apostle Paul, that missionary to the Gentiles? It was the the worship of the idols and the worship of, of the pagan way of worship, and yet it was the preaching of the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection. Jesus came not just to the Jew, but to the whole world. 
Certainly as Christ was preached, Christ the light lightened the Gentiles. Then we see number four, and finally we find, and this is important for us to understand, we find number four, the Savior's effect. As Joseph and Mary were hearing all these things, in verse 33, they marveled. They were in awe of what they were hearing. Then in verse 34, And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. For a sign which shall be spoken against, yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also. The thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. What is Simeon saying? He's saying now, this child, the whole world will be judged, be measured against this child. The Lord Jesus Christ. His effect, no man would be unaffected by the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you certainly can still get an effect by using the name of Jesus today as we consider Jesus who was born of a virgin and was laid in that manger as we read about in Luke chapter number 2. That's our Savior. That's the Son of God. That's the Christ who has come. And as we read of, of His ministry and going to the cross, we believe in Jesus as precious to us. And we think of Jesus and that name above every other name. Those who do not know Jesus just quite, can't quite understand why the name of Jesus means something to us because we've been saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been saved because we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But oh, you mentioned that name amongst those who have rejected him and put their faith in another. Nothing stirs them like the name of Jesus as well. From this time forward, the, the prophesied one coming, the Messiah coming, the Christ coming, the world for all time would now be judged by Jesus Christ. What do they do with Jesus? Simeon tells them that he would be, many would be delivered by him. They would be redeemed by him. So deliverance would come by Jesus. Redemption would come by Jesus. But also judgment would come by the Lord Jesus Christ. And friend, we hear this a lot in our world today. Don't judge us by, no, 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 this preacher's not judging anybody. There's not a man that can judge anybody, but every man will be judged by Jesus Christ. Judged by what they did with Jesus Christ. Heaven and hell will be determined by what man does with Jesus Christ. And that is all that matters, friend, today is what have you done with Jesus Christ. And Simeon is pronouncing this prophecy and it certainly has been fulfilled and will be fulfilled until that righteous judge passes the ultimate judgment on those that have rejected him. Friend, it does not matter how sincere you are if you're sincerely wrong when it comes to Jesus. I've met a lot of religious people who are sincere. There are many who would even die for what they believe in, but they are wrong because they have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. It is what have you done with Jesus? Jesus would reveal what was in the hearts of many. You think about what you've read and what you know of the Gospels and Jesus' teaching. And you would find, we preached a message about her 
Recently, that woman that had the issue of blood that no man could help her. And she did what she could do just to touch the hem of the garment. Jesus revealed what was in her heart. That man who was used to his daughter was sick and would die and Jesus would raise her from the dead. He went to him with hope. He revealed what was in his heart. Many Jesus would teach to and they would believe on Jesus, but Jesus also revealed what was in the heart of those religious people, didn't he? In the hearts of those Pharisees. When Jesus came and declared that he was the fulfillment of the law, he was the fulfillment of prophecy of Isaiah 61.1 and he revealed what was in the heart of the religious man. They weren't really looking for the, the Messiah as Simeon was because the religion was used to make themselves look good. And by the way, religion is still used for that today. If I have to work my way to heaven, then it's about what I do. If I have to participate in so many things, it's about what I do. It's about my works. It's about my doings. That's not the way it is. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. But he also reminds that not only would he be deliverance, redemption, judgment, but division. There's so many that would say today, well, this world, we just need to get, there's only one who could unite the world if we all look to Jesus. Well, well, Jesus is such a, and it's sad to see it happen in our own nation. It's become politically correct to talk about Jesus. You can talk about Allah, just don't talk about Jesus. You can talk about wicked Hollywood and all the filth of that, but don't talk about Jesus. Because Jesus makes people feel uncomfortable. Oh, but Jesus is going to cause division. Jesus would later prophesy that it would, be, it would be him who divided homes. Many homes are divided today not because of unreasonable people who love their Lord, but it's Jesus. I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, but it is the holiday times. Mom and Dad, don't ever apologize for loving Jesus. If you've got a child that doesn't want to associate you because you love Jesus, don't apologize for it. Don't ever apologize for serving Jesus. And make an accusation to me. Well, you love Jesus more than you love your family. Guilty. I love my family, but my family hasn't died on the cross and paid for my sins. Wait, Jesus is the one. Don't let people make it about the Christian. Or politicians want to make it about certain voting parties. No, it's about the Lord Jesus Christ. You either accept Him or you reject Him. You either serve Him or you serve this world. There is no middle ground when it comes with Jesus and this, this man Simeon who gets blended in with Luke chapter number 2 with so many significant things. He told Mary and Joseph, this is the one that's not just come to the Jews, but he's going to be the light to the Gentiles. He's bringing hope to the world. He's bringing salvation to the world. And it is by Jesus, everyone's going to be judged. He's the redeemer. He's the one who's, who's the healer. But he's also the one who's going to bring judgment. And friend, the only thing you'll have to answer for one day, the only thing I'll have to answer for one day is what I did with Jesus. 
And thanks be to God, I'm so thankful that as a child I heard about Jesus and how he died for my sins and how I just had to put my faith and trust in him. And friend, I have eternity waiting for me, a place of perfection, that place called heaven, for all of eternity because of what I did with Jesus. But sadly, the book of Revelation tells us that there's coming a time when Jesus, as the righteous judge, when all those who have rejected him will stand before him and they will give an account of what they did with him. He'll not ask their religious affiliation. He'll not ask what, who their associations were. It is what did you do with Jesus? It is Jesus who's the divider. This morning, you better know we celebrate the birth of Jesus yesterday. But I ask you, what have you done with him today? Have you accepted him as your personal Savior? There are billions in this world who, just as you and I did, in the midst of exchanging some gifts, perhaps, spending some time with friends and a family, acknowledge that we're celebrating the birth of our Savior. But not all those billions have done with Jesus what they should do with Jesus, and that's believe on Him. I remind you what we saw a few weeks ago, that even the devils believe in Jesus a lot of people who believe in Jesus, but have you accepted Jesus? Christian, what have you done with Jesus? He reveals what's in your heart. Well, this is what, what is Jesus? What would Jesus want you to do? He's a divider. That's why you see that bumper sticker from time to time, coexist. But you can't stick Jesus in there, can you? Because, by the way, Jesus isn't coexisting with anybody else. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is but one king, and it's Jesus. Well, that's just intolerant. I did not set it that way. He is worthy. And this man, Simeon, said, all men are going to be judged by him. All men are going to be judged. Men, lady... What have you done with Jesus when it comes to your salvation? Christian, what have you done with Jesus when it comes to your service? Are you serving Him? Are we serving ourselves? Are we serving another? He's the divider. There's a division in our country today, and it's not Republican and Democrat. Some might want to argue this, but it's just a reality. It's about Jesus. It's about God having His rightful place. And don't be fooled either. While there's some exceptions, neither party is about Jesus. Neither party is about God. They're about themselves. And this is just a side Merry Christmas. One of the good things that has come from this last political season, I'm afraid, well, I'm hopeful, there's a lot of Christians who are waking up to the fact that you can't buddy up with your politician because they're not out for you. They're not out for Jesus. I'm for Jesus. I serve Jesus. King Jesus is coming again. He's the divider. There's some confirmations that Jesus has come. Say, how can you prove that Jesus has come? Well, the best I can, I can prove. How do you know? He's in my heart. I have salvation. 
I have forgiveness of my sins. Well, how do you know that? Well, if you've ever experienced it, you'd feel that burden roll off your shoulders. You'd feel that guilt just go away. You'd feel that peace. That friend, that turmoil you're feeling right now, the uncomfortable pressure that you're feeling right now, it'll be gone. Somebody mentions the name of Jesus, you'll have a completely different feel after you trust in Him. Father, I pray that you would use...